0: So, and I don't have a simple answer for that. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. I just go by Sophie here in the States or for English speakers. Originally though, since I'm from Hungary, the Z and the S is pronounced, it, it is one letter and it's pronounced as a zh. So originally it's Sophie. But here people are like, what? So I just go by Sophie and I'm so used to it. And people call me like Sophia, like all kinds of things. And it's yeah. so, okay.
1: Our guest today was struggling with health challenges, digestive issues, and hair loss. It started about the age of 12. For 22 years, she struggled for this, and it destroyed herself and body confidence, created massive anxiety issues, and was holding her back from being able to find and live her soul's purpose. After she kept hitting walls with the medical fields for 12 years, never getting one single answer, she felt completely lost and hopeless. The only place left was to go inside through alternative and energy medicine. And in 10 years of experiencing and learning and working with many different holistic modalities and functional nutrition, her health issues and even her hair loss symptoms started to go away. Doing this allowed her to start following the call of her heart to be in service and make a positive impact in the world. Success did not come easily. She had to battle confidence issues, fears, and limiting beliefs that were holding her back from her full potential until she found the one missing piece for running a successful sacred business and a great, beautiful life, alignment. Alignment means you are no longer blocking your own way of success and the ability of living In your purpose, on your purpose, designing your beautiful life, building your epic empire. This shifted everything. And now she is successfully helping conscious people and entrepreneurs biohack their abundance, creating alignment within themselves and with their soul's mission, releasing blockages so that they can live their soul's purpose with unshakable confidence and create financial freedom. Welcome to Sophie Bruckner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um and just because it's very topical and it I mean it is it is uh the 4th of March 2022 just if people are watching this in the future the war that's going on must feel very close to home
0: that yeah they are neighbors so yeah it's even tougher than for me and just you know hoping that it's not gonna pass the border anywhere and even like Even within the border there, it's just yeah, extremely sad and and, Mm -hmm. yeah. I've in connect. Well, I don't have friends living there, uh, but I am in contact. You know, with a lot of my like family members and friends who are deeply worried
2: about
0: Mm -hmm. the whole thing, and they try to help. At least it seems like you know everybody is trying to support what's going on there, which is nice to see. It always kind of brings people together at the same time. Uh, my grandmother
1: came from um, the Ukraine in 1929 okay. to Canada with her mother as a child so mm. they were they were naturalized Canadian citizens yeah also. <laughs> oh. yeah but, I have the roots there yes yeah it's strange but also, it's like roots but also as Canadians often we're so disconnected from our roots so mm. but I think that actually is kind of a good lead into a little bit of what the work you do might be possibly because of people not being necessarily connected to who they are and what they want to do and where they're coming from. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I wanted to start with an interview of you for Epic Lifestyles, because um, I was described to people that the Epic Lifestyles podcast came around, not because of uh, the people who want to become rich or whatever. It's about people who are living from their heart and their soul and living their best lifestyle. And I was listening to Brene Brown this morning, which is, you know, whoo, that's some hot stuff getting down to the soul and um and and looking at all the the things that get in the way of us um between you know how she talks about shame and um, guilt and all these things um and and one of the things that really caught my eye is play she's talking about people Mm. who people who um have deep joy cannot find you you can't find they aren't deeply gratitude uh, full of a lot of gratitude and a lot of play and there's a, there's a connection between all of these things.
3: So exactly.
1: ah, anyway, I'm going to be quiet now <laughs> and tell <laughs> us a little bit more about your company, who you are and what you do. And I'm going to sit here and be quiet.
0: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, um, I help conscious entrepreneurs and people who would like to be entrepreneurs biohack their abundance. By creating or recreating alignments within themselves and with their soul's purpose or their sacred business if they already have one. So technically what it means is exactly what you said, eliminating those blockages that Mm -hmm. the way they're blocking their own success technically so eliminating those so finally they're able to live their purpose with full potential and with unshakable confidence and create the financial freedom through that and what got you 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 have a a
1: pretty interesting story too probably coming to california from hungary and you have a little one with you as well well she's sounds like she's not that little
0: but yeah she just turned eight this january so what got me on this path uh, was first of all, my own health struggles. And I was battling with health challenges and hair loss that started when I was 12 and it lasted for like 22 years. So technically throughout my whole like teenagers, like all those years that you're supposed to live your most beautiful, vibrant you know, life. And for me, it was totally the opposite. Um, it totally destroyed my self-confidence and my self-esteem and it created massive anxieties and fears. And, you know, I was struggling on the physical level, battling for not really like literally survival, but it's in a way it's, you know, living under chronic stress because of that. And, you know, all those anxieties, I literally wish that I could just walk around with a paper bag on my head because I was so cautious and conscious about, you know, what people would think and say and i was totally misaligned you know on the physical level and when you have that you're battling with pain and all those you're operating on that the very bottom of that pyramid like those needs are not met you're not aligned Mm -hmm. i was very much held back from even finding or living my purpose but Mm -hmm. i knew that i had this very deep call in my heart and i was and Funny as it sounds, but one of the reasons why I was struggling with my health, because as I uncovered later on, that because I wasn't doing what I was called to do, and it caused me a lot of misalignment on the other areas so but first of all i had to find you know healing for my health and even if i was hitting the wall with the medical for like 12 years not getting literally one single answer so what was left is to turn inward so i started my journey with alternative medicine first energy medicine and and all kinds of modalities and later on functional nutrition that was the last puzzle piece and and i was able to turn my health around and even grow my hair back after 22 years yeah, and and you know, I gone through all those. Thank you, all those like educations and you know, just studying different modalities and such. So I kind of knew that okay, I do want to be in sacred service. I do want to give something back to the world, and that was the call. But guess what? I didn't have the confidence to do that, and I had to rebuild that and. I had a couple more really mind opening, in a way, awakening, shocking, but awakening moments. Uh, the first one was, so I had all those uh, experiences, education in first, like the alternative medicine and energy medicine field. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I could help people, but the first client that I <laughs> shared this story, I hope people will not get me wrong in that. But the first <laughs> client, because I think it's, it can be mind opening for some other people, awakening a moment to hear this the first client I got here in the in the state uh, I was I well I wasn't drunk but I was it was after like a glass of wine or two it was Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> you were <And> relaxed <laughs> I, I, exactly and I was just talking to a lady there and she she just had that one simple question like so what do you do and I, that was the first time when it just it just flowed out of me and I got so shocked like Oh my gosh, like I literally had to have a glass of mine to be able to share who I am, mm-hmm. to be able to not feel guilty or start like the shame and all those. Yeah, you really pulled out of that because that was that. I felt even guilty sharing. Like if I share that, you know, to and offer my help maybe to people, they might think that I'm just offering to get their money and you know, mm-hmm. all those limitations and fears, and people may think that, oh, this is weird, and you know, things like that. And I was, it was really, really shocking to me. Like I have some issues around that. And later on, uh, so she ended up working with me because I had that flow. <laughs> like, <laughs> no limitations talking about who I am. And it was, so, but I had to start, you know getting myself on another journey uh, with uncovering what is this blockage around myself that's blocking who I in a way, meant to be, who I felt called to, and that could lead to even, you know, success and be able to help other people and create a good, massive impact in, on the world. And um, another mind-opening moment or time was for me, just a few years back, I was you know, stepping into this entrepreneurship kind of lifestyle, trying to figure this out. And I signed up to different business trainings and, you know, learning That's how to- how you do- met. Through the yeah. the success, we're we we're in, we're in a similar um
1: group. Yeah, we're one in of the, the groups doing group. that. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I went through some some trainings so you'll learn the funnels or how to do this mm-hmm. and that. Which very it's it's needed. You need the structure, and you need to, need to learn those tools. But I caught myself, uh, in a way wasting. Even if I got a really good amount of value out of those trainings, but I wasted a lot of money because I still I wasn't even ready for that. I didn't even have the confidence to speak up on the coaching calls <laughs> like when I could have gotten help and I shied away the first you know live video about myself like a selfie video I've done like just two and a half years ago <laughs> and I was I thought I was gonna die I was like oh, I know I don't know it's <laughs> like I was horrified and after I was done with that I was like oh I guess I survived this and it's I actually kind of enjoyed it. So what the heck? Because they like all these blockages around that again to show who I was and you know, talking about what I do and or what I want to create and all that. And Mm -hmm. what I realized was it's like a huge gap in a way in the market because there's so, so, so many people trying to want you know feel this call in their heart they want to do something good they feel that they might already have a clear vision about what they want to do what is the clear call of their heart they may not have but they have the call that to do something good but they invest into you know different trainings trying to like do funnels and do stuff like that and then right at the finish line is the oh i I, oh, no, I don't have the time for this like now the wall they, they, behind they... me <laughs> yep exactly and they they run away like right when they would like enter the door well in the room like open the door and step into that power something happens there and that's when the how you can catch yourself doing that when you start procrastinating when you find old excuses and you dive into oh no i'll do that when oh i i finish this education or I get on another training oh no, I need to set up my website or or like need to schedule like a a webinar or something, but I don't know how to do that yet. So it's like, and you waste years. I've been there. So I'm I'm so guilty in that as well. And finding all the things that you think you need, but the only thing you need is to dive inside, uh, do that journey and uncover what are the fears behind that, that you're literally blocking your own success. And I had to discover one of my deep beliefs was that I didn't. I felt that I didn't deserve to be successful, and that was coming from childhood through like certain events, and you know, like part of it was school, part of it was like through my family and all that. And uh, for a long time, I I got clear on that, but I didn't really fully know what was the root for that. And then I was playing small for a while, I was playing safe kind of, I was doing functional nutrition coaching for a little bit, but I knew Mm -hmm. that it wasn't the deep, deep, deep call of my heart. And somehow this whole thing of I have to build in the abundance part and help people create financial freedom before or by living their soul's purpose that was that it's just it's got me but I had I was still shying away from okay yeah I don't know you know if it's like how would it fit into the picture and what we people would think and all that so I haven't or didn't fully step into you know that power that yet and mm-hmm. that was another clearing that I have to do like and diving, like what is my big why? Because people don't buy what you offer; they buy why you do that and why you mm-hmm. offer that. Mm-hmm. And I got very clear on that, and and after that, I created that al- that full alignment, and everything just started to shift and open up. It was just mind blowing, mm-hmm. and it was it created a massive difference. And that that's when I realized, like, oh, and the f- first time that I started to share the story, the parts of this story people just started finding me and and i have a waiting list of people to get back to <laughs> because there's so many of of them experiencing something like that like i really want to do this and i you know sign up for trainings but i didn't want to finish them and there is that one thing that is missing that's the alignment so that's how i ended up from and actually okay answering your question how funny that is but it's not really what brought me here to the states from Hungary mm-hmm. first I thought and how uh purposes could even shift or niches could shift but not a lot of people <laughs> even nowadays know that that I came here to become a horse whisperer <laughs> so what <laughs> yeah that was the first
1: have you seen Heartland it's a Canadian tv show heartland no it doesn't oh okay well you'll have to get onto i don't know if you can do it over the border because they keep uh digital content country related but we have a uh it's one of the oldest uh uh, tv shows in canada i think it's 15 seasons of this Mm. girl who is basically a horse whisperer and her whole family and ranch life and that's what she does she she she's a horse whisperer and it's called heartland yeah, it's really amazing. But I just but just while we're stopped for a second, I want to take you back to you mentioned the pyramid at the beginning, yeah. and not everybody understands or may know what Maslow's um, pyramid is, the hierarchy of needs. So yeah. maybe you could just because you mentioned the pyramid before, you could do a brief description and maybe how it applied as you worked up the pyramid from the psychological part to the safety. Whereas you know you're you're working your way up, and then all of a sudden you found. That, you know, as you get up in the pyramid, you find you're able to understand your why and activate on your purpose and move forward. And then, you know, as they say, enlightenment at the top or living your most, your your best life really is is another description. Some people see it as a um, um, spiritual journey, but for some people, it might just be living your best life with the best people around you because you totally understand who you are, why you're there and what you're doing
0: yeah exactly and yeah so the basic um of the pyramid is that you have to meet your your basic survival needs first and originally is like you having food having you know a shelter you having so you have all those security needs and once you have that then you can step up and up and it's this is very deeply connected or well it's pretty much <laughs> in this way the same way as the pillars, where the misalignment can come from and how those things build up on each other. And for me, and for not everybody, but for me, the physical pillar was huge. And in a way- I'm sorry, just to go
1: back, you have, I think it was four pillars that you work with, right?
0: Yes, so those are the four the four areas where the misalignment can come from, and they are very, very deeply connected. And for me, the first one was, and that is the basic in a way that is the foundation, which is the physical pillar. So if we are not aligned with our health, with our uh, lifestyle, with the nutrition that we take in and the way that we live our lives, that's going to block or could block potentially a lot of things. And it was blocking it for me. And I'm not just talking about when you experience pain, discomfort, or health struggles, but what it can do with your mind and even with your belief system. That's like how it really start circling into that. And for me, like experiencing something that is more visible, but coming from, but what's coming from a physical part, the physical level or health mm-hmm. related, was like the hair loss and it could be skin issues, this could be weight issues, like anything that affects your mindset and affects your belief system and affects your confidence level can, you know, start limiting, like uh, I have, you know, students uh, struggling with weight issues and it's not the way that's blocking them as mm-hmm. what it, the toll that it takes on their confidence level and the belief that they're like, oh, how people are going, like literally have clients who like think that how people are going to trust me if they would like look at me thinking I'm a little overweight and that I can't take care of myself, that I wouldn't be able to take care of them. That's going to be their belief if they won't you know, align in that, you know, that sense, And yeah, if the other reason why the physical pillar is and that alignment is so critical, because our soul lives in that temple. If you don't (laughs) feel not just safe but and aligned and holy, like literally sacred in that space, yeah, your business and your purpose is a direct extension of your soul. And if that soul is, is not feeling home in there and holy, I just, I, I have to add the holy in there because just feeling home, it's not necessarily, um, enough or, or the full alignment, but I, what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's not aligned, then your soul is not going to be aligned either. And then it's going to affect the success and business and purpose and whatever you would like to create.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you do you, um yeah, have you ever listened to Lisa Nichols? Uh she's a, one of the Mind Valley speakers. Yes. But, yeah. Um
0: really. and, and
1: listening to her turning point where she went, um, uh, because she she was coaching on business and she got flipped over to coaching on weight. And so she has yeah. she's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm very overweight. Cause she realized. Mm-hmm she was not in alignment with that, but she decided she, she, but the woman who was put in front of her to coach, it was, I think it was like on air or something with, on a big talk show, she was put mm. on an air to coach with, um, this person. It was like somebody had fallen off the lineup. And so they're like, can you do it? And she's like, I'll give it a try. And she, she got on with this one. She's like, you know what? I'm actually not the best person to coach you, but I would like to be. So I can't coach you or solve your problems right here on air, but let's go on a journey together. Mm. Right, and her journey became taking off her 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 coming into uh, uh, taking off the weight, but coming into alignment with who she was. Yeah, So it wasn't about losing the weight; it was about becoming this next version of Lisa as she. I think that might exactly. actually be
0: a direct quote.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> her next and exactly yeah, and that's how we step into the outer layer, the outer pillar, which is the mind. So being aligned with your belief system, with your mindsets. Because, and you can have hundreds and hundreds of different beliefs that your mind literally lives as that's the ultimate truth. But mm-hmm. those are just the mind created blockages that first they come into play because, to, like, to keep you safe, but they're usually based on certain fears. Um, that's based on some trauma or whatever you were getting you know growing up, or certain events uh, that created those fears. Mm-hmm. and so most of the beliefs are so and that's the emotional alignment. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Well, and I know for me, I t- how you translate something,
1: a uh, trauma. so I, I had no idea. I, I know that I had specific challenges over feeling like I belonged or that I fit in. And when my dad got sick, he's like, he actually, he, he brought, he's the one who brought it up. He's like, when you were three years old, Mm. I didn't want you in, it was, he was trying to be a minister and, you know, he was, had a group of people and I was in my bedroom and I wanted to be included. And he apparently spanked me till I shut up. Ah, yeah. And I had no idea that I'd had that experience, clearly Mm. blocked it out and it clearly affected the rest of my life. Yeah. And
0: like, that's itself can create a belief. If I speak up, if I share Mm -hmm. myself or my opinion, Mm -hmm. I can get like, it's painful, I can get in trouble with or that is wrong. And you can have and we have very, very deep core beliefs that been probably carrying all through our life from childhood, and for me, one of them was what I shared was like I don't deserve to be successful. Uh, for a lot of people, if you want to create success, but you have money blocks, like those, those literally those thoughts and beliefs that like money is evil, or no, I shouldn't charge for spiritual services because it's just not right, and all those things, and for like the deep, deep core beliefs that a lot of people are struggling with is not feeling good enough. You know, that's when you have the belief, and I, I was struggling with that. You know, I need more education, I need more trainings, I need oh, more I that. You. I'm but, very educated. <laughs> and then I had to come down to the conclusion: it wasn't that what I was needed, needing, because where was it coming from? It was coming from the fear of failure or rejection. And also the core of not like a deep feeling of unworthiness, you know, right. I need more stuff to feel good enough so I can really serve the people. Mm-hmm. So peeling off those layers and what is like what way you're literally blocking your own success and your the ability to live your life the fullest yeah. and your potential and, and purpose. Now that is the biggest part for a lot of people. And it's always, it's almost like a never-ending game because once you peel off a layer, it's like, oh, there's another one. There's another yep. one. Well, okay. and then, and
1: I think that comes down to like, be, keep becoming the next best version of yourself. And I think that's a piece that people miss. They're like, oh, I want to be a better, but it's like, it's just, you're just like anything, you know, like there's a new Tesla, there's a new this, there's a new, there's always a the next version of a, um, a solid item why can't we keep being a better version of ourselves like and, and that comes down to I think how we connected to was the biohacking is I mean look at Anthony Robbins he's he's 60 and he's doing stem cell therapy and I'm just I think he actually connect-
0: just turned 62 even and it yeah, looks there like
1: 35 we 35- <laughs> yeah. well and I'm reading yeah. his new book um can't think of the name of it right now but it's all on health and wellness and the technology of health and wellness um and going through those so you know connecting with your next best version, but just to get back on track. Um, so the first two pillars are, if you can just repeat them.
0: Yeah. The physical alignment. So being fully aligned with your health mm-hmm. and your lifestyle, the nutrition, the food you eat, all those that support that. Okay. And then, then second one is the mind, the mindset, the belief system. Mm-hmm. And that one is a very tricky one because you literally have to Get like hack your brain to get into the c- unconscious level, and and start shifting things around there, and literally break the pattern and bring mm. in new beliefs. Which there are great techniques to be able to do that. Mm. But have you, you
1: um, have you read Marissa Pierce' new latest
0: book? Uh, uh, Tell yourself a better lie. I think we had a conversation about yeah. it. I haven't read the book, but I'm pretty familiar with her work. And yes, yeah, that's exactly it. It was also amazing. What it was yeah she's pretty wonderful and yes exactly one of the ways that you can do that and bring new beliefs is hypnosis so that's one of her her methods that she mm-hmm. works with mm-hmm. and then so the mind and the belief system color is deeply connected as i shared with the emotional part because they most of them are based on fears and emotions so that's another part how we can shift that around and find the alignment with our emotions and our fears and it's not that you know those are gonna probably stay with you in some level that, that you're completely able to wipe them out. And it's not really the fears that that's the challenge. It's our relationship to them. and how we can tame those fears and have them empower us instead of hold us back. That's mm-hmm. the alignment part there. And also, yeah, including you know healing traumas and literally rewiring the bodies and the nervous systems, reactions and response to certain things that trigger us mm-hmm. and now there's the fourth element the fourth pillar okay hold on it, oh, first sorry. second third okay first emotional Physi- first was the physical physical they're not necessarily linear they can they can build up on each other a little bit but they're all, all of them are connected more like in i a- think
1: i missed the name of what we would call <laughs> pillar three so pillar the physical alignments
0: be- the mind or mindset the belief system that is one and the emotional that's the 3rd emotional. emotional alignment and the fourth is the energetic alignment which that's the part that people don't give as much value not value like they, it's just underrated and a little underestimated as the power and the importance of it mm-hmm. it is kind of coming up now a little bit more and more people are uh, like start awakening to how critical that is even mm-hmm. in a business aspect and mm-hmm. Uh, That's not, so uh, the way I work with that, it has two aspects of it, one is creating the energetic alignment within yourself and with your purpose, so let's say that was a good example, when I really, really got very clear on what my sole purpose was, what's the deepest calling for me, like bringing in that abundance aspect and have people being able to run a sacred business and live their purpose, Mm -hmm. but... Since I had some questions and fears around it, it was like, oh, I'm just going to play a little bit safe and doing just, uh, you know, the health coaching and the nutrition and such. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll do that once I feel ready, whatever. And things just stopped working, even if I was doing the same exact things. And I was you know, doing everything the same way and, and people were coming in, but it just didn't work. And when I start like sat down and literally got the answer within like probably like 30 seconds i like i had this clear understanding now this is what i need to do and i was still not doing that so i was misaligned with my own purpose there and from the moment i made the decision and stepped into that field mm. everything just like it just exploded like it shifted in the quantum like literally and um now that's the other element or aspect of the energetic alignment it is t- being able to tap into the quantum and do those quantum shifts and quantum leaps now mm-hmm. that's the whole other dimension but,
1: and, and not worry about time just leap <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. exactly so mm-hmm. how you can align with that and that's also connected with the other elements and other aspects of it but um
1: what yeah, kind of it, tools do you use when it comes to that
0: Oh, multiple ones, Uh, one of the ones that works. And plus, to be able to do those quantum shifts, you (laughs) have to clear the guy, exactly, I was starting to do the (laughs) Yeah, that's why the other pillars are so critical for that because you can start, and that's why a lot of times the manifestation and all those that people try to do, they just don't work. Why? Because if Mm. you have even just one belief, that like money is evil or you shouldn't or you don't deserve to be successful. Mm-hmm. You're literally going to block whatever the quantum would like to drop down on you. Like, okay, you're calling the same. We're like, oh, you don't even believe that's possible. Like, <laughs> like why would well, And, and even how we talk to ourselves, I was listening
1: to um, Ian, I can't think of his last name. He's like the latest guru, whatever, but he also does a set of meditations. And he's like, the reason that mantras don't work is that you're not using, and it was really, you know, when you're listening to someone and you're like, what? it was like he says you know you can say those mantras but if you don't say them into the mirror and you don't say them like you're a parent to that inner child they're not going to work and I'm like that actually makes so much sense (laughs) you know yeah like talking to yourself like you're parenting yourself which goes along with Marissa's uh, Marissa Pierce talking to that inner child and I was like I was you know when you hear like that one little key you're like oh so all those Anthony like. Not to put down any problems or anything but you know like the, i will do this and i will do that and i am amazing and blah, blah, blah. but if you're not talking to yourself into that inner child and recognizing that it's there it's hard to make that shift. the, the challenge is going to be a bigger there's gonna be a bigger challenge to get through to that exactly the, the in, inside person yeah.
0: and you're trying to of shift the, yes and one of the ways the brain learns is through repetition but it does take one like a long time and the other part is it may not create those deep, deep shifts and transformation in the unconscious level. And that's where you need to get, because if you don't believe that you can or you're able to do this and that, you won't be able to get into that frequency change that you need in order to do the quantum shifts and quantum leaps, because that's what it takes. So to answer your question a little bit more specifically, I use like one of the methods I work with is EFT emotional freedom technique to clear Mm -hmm. out the blockages. And Mm -hmm. I I do what I call the quantum EFT. And that's with with tap into a meditation where you can meet those vibrational frequencies that could make create the shifts. And I, I'd say, uh, or tell you a, a great example of that and how instantly that could work. And that's a great example for the energetic alignment and how mm-hmm. that then taps into the quantum. I had a call two days ago with a lady from uh, Guinea actually and we had a, a long talk about so she just got on like an, an alignment clarity call with me and we talked through her goals and especially around working uh, jobs and what so she's not aligned with what she's doing now and she would like to do something that is more fulfilling but she had a lot of fears and limitations and blockages mm-hmm. so i helped her uncover a few when she awakened to quite a few of those like oh I, I really have this and probably i maybe i'm holding that back you know that potential and uncovering some of the fears and she came out of the call with like with different frequency in a way that she felt more empowered. And she understood like, okay, what I need to shift and work on. And literally the next day, she messaged me so she sent me two voice messages saying that like, I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. Like, I like, something just happened and shifted and now the universe seems to be uh, like being on my side. And she, she even copied forwarded the message that she got from a person and she got a well, it wasn't a job offer yet but an offer for a job interview and mm-hmm. she's like <laughs> this great well i think
1: it comes down to a quantum version of of you know when they say uh look in the room for something red right and you it, you yeah. know and then you close your eyes and you know you do that whole exercise of look for red look for red and when you you know you can you can do that on a quantum level where you are looking for the right energy yeah uh, to come into alignment and and does, i mean when we use that example of um, it doesn't have to be a, a physical item that we're, or physical yeah. color, it can be a feeling, a vibration, an alignment that we were not aware of, of how abundant it might be around us. Or I guess the best example is the car, you know, you go buy a new Volvo and you've never really noticed a Volvo around before, but all of a sudden you see Volvos everywhere, right? And I think that, that exactly. so that's the, you know, that's the kind of uh, example I'm, I'm, I'm looking for. and. It sounds like that's exactly it you just you're not you're not you're tuning into that vibration is also uh, if you, you wouldn't know what it is if you didn't have rec- you have to recognize that it's there
0: yeah exactly right. and also like another good example for the energetic alignment is when you start like serving people but of course, like, especially, like, let's say you left a nine to five job and now you're in this field of, okay, and I really need to make this happen to make it work because I need to put food on the table and, you know, you know I have the kids and go to school and all that. And you're doing that with that energy in the back of your mind, well, in your fear, heart, <laughs> in a way. Fear, fear, like, okay, fear, out of fear, fear yes, and <laughs> out of that need that I really, even if your intentions are right, you you have the experience or the knowledge to help people, you know that you can help them. So everything is aligned on that level. But you have this, you know, need or fear that, okay, I I really need to sign, you know, like a new client to be able to pay my rent or put food on the table and all those. And if that shines through, that's going to be a very very different frequency so if you're unable to shift that and come from another perspective and 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 do that like do from being fully rooted in that sacred service and and not have that you know block the way because the clients will they sense that that's you know energetically they're going to sense that same thing if you that and that's how this is so connected also to the physical pillar and all the other others so if you're not taking fully care of yourself and your lifestyle, you're just not treating yourself the best way possible, mm-hmm. uh, the clients will sense that or potential clients and it will maybe you fully serve them. But then what? Then you end up in overwhelm or burnout and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they, they're going to feel that somehow energetically. Yeah, I used to be part of a. I used to get paid to network. I
1: used to, I was hired by a coach to go out and sell his stuff and and, and that and I was a paid networker. And I think that um, the people around you uh, and your kids, even and maybe you can speak to this, will know when you're starting to become in uh, into alignment with what you're selling and what you're doing. So I'm just curious, like, has that changed in your like with your relationship with your daughter too? Now that you're in, like, you're you're doing something that you obviously are in alignment with who and what you do. are are in alignment, do you find that the people around you are more in alignment now with what and who you want to become to build this beautiful lifestyle?
0: Very, very much. Yes, Mm -hmm. it affects even strangers around me. So Mm -hmm. because it just shines through and I keep getting this every single day, like your energies are just, you know, like magnetized (laughs) or something like, they're just very, very drawn to it because the alignment really comes through it. And even your close circle, Plus, when you start living something like that, that is extremely fulfilling for you.
3: Mm-hmm. You
0: are just in awe, like all the time, and you are in love with the people you work <laughs> with, even that you're not work with. But you know, you you know that you're just inspiring to them. And when you have this fulfillment, you have something that gets you out of bed every morning and just gives you the energy, regardless of how many hours you slept. Uh, that's a very different state of being and that's of course in your small close circle and for your children and loved ones around you that is very very visible and Mm -hmm. one of my deep desires of course is to be a living example for her that she can be whoever she wants and she can even you know make a living out of it whatever it is because I literally got sick you know doing something that I knew that I wasn't meant to do and i you know i've been to universities and i got degrees and like all kinds of things and i'm fully happy not using that. like i don't take that as okay i was a waste of time my life no that was needed at that time and it was great but i'm not willing to work in that field just because i should because i had that education mm-hmm. so but, it, but it, it's part of i always people are like oh university i'm like well i didn't
1: go to university till i was 29 so i got mm-hmm. to see what it was like to be a young mom with two kids in my mid-20s <laughs> yeah. right and then go to university and i didn't realize what i was missing i didn't have the vocabulary i didn't have the communication skills it wasn't what i studied it's yeah. that I studied and that I learned, I, I learned about, um, it, the, I learned about other people's stories that I was in class with. We had mm-hmm. classes where I remember we had one class where because we're in a, um, a session for however many weeks, a, you know, as a, a quarter and you're deeply getting to know these people, people came out of the closet. They um, explored rapes they'd never talked about. I was in a bachelor of fine arts program. So you had to, I would say, you could just turn an English paper in, but when you're in a fine arts program, um, in a bachelor degree, you have to write the paper. You have to ask permission to do that piece of artwork. You have to explore it with your peers, with your professor, and then you got to put it on show publicly (laughs) to get a grade. (laughs) So you really deeply are exploring um sometimes I say well if you're going to go to a therapist why don't you just go get a bachelor of fine arts because I can tell you for seven years I went very deeply into (laughs) my soul and you know I I never knew I could have these conversations with people I didn't even occur to me you know I learned about I didn't just learn about um the Canadian well Canadian is not the right word the indigenous people's experience of settlers I got to have friends who you know, they have a lineage of that and they're, they're working to, to, you know, to, to, to heal that, that rift and they were in my classes. So I got to know them deeply. I know their families. I, you know, it's so you can be part of that and deeply understand mm. it versus, yeah. you know, and it becomes part of who you are just, even though you're not using it, it becomes deeply a part of how you're going to build your next version, right? It's your research, but right? it's, it's your yeah. research into yourself and who you are and how you create yourself.
0: Yeah, and that that's that too. So I have absolutely no regrets of doing that. It added a good value to my life, exactly. It is sad who I am, and also I do believe uh, that the traumas that we experience and the struggles, even health struggles, and all those are a big, big part of our transformation to become, you know, our best versions and our best selves. And for me, even you know back then and going through that hell you know with my hair with my health challenges and such uh and i used to <laughs> i wanted to become first uh like a hair coach you know help other women <laughs> you know with doing that uh but and now it's, it's way beyond that but back then i thought like even if i could just help one person yeah the whole thing the 20 plus years of struggle was worth it and you know way past that but it's that, what, that was the, the one thing that put me on this deep self-discovery part with the alternative medicine and, and you know, energy medicine, like all kinds of amazing things and tools that now I can use today to shift things around for other people. And you don't have to you know, be a master or a guru. And that's another <laughs> belief that people have. Like I have to master, I have to fully overcome certain things. No, you just have to figure out until to the level that where you just a few steps ahead of some people that are still struggling. So you Mm -hmm. don't look down at them like, yeah, I'm the guru, I mastered everything perfectly perfectly but you can just reach back and hold their hands and guide them through those steps that you already figured out so you heal together and that's a really I I always used to
1: call it and and now I see it as very self-deprecating the way I was saying I was always like I'm always just falling up the stairs I'm trying to fall up the stairs (laughs) instead of down the stairs right I love that yes well it was just like it, it helped me um and i hope it helps somebody else you know like i felt like i was always falling down i always wasn't quite keeping up with everybody else so i, I started rewording it's like well i'm falling up the stairs <laughs> you know so at least i was i was making i don't know dean, dean graziosi uses this little you know the the you, you know you value letter and then you go, the level, and the, you go level and it's like you're never it's not like whoosh, you're gonna take
0: off it's just you know yeah <laughs> yeah and you always like this is, these are uncovering the layers as well. It's almost like a never ending story, yeah, mm-hmm. but that's the beauty of it. So you learn more and more about yourself and if things shift and you're just, that's a transformation, that's a forever journey. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's not so, and I teach or my students to not look at their goals from the perspective where, okay, I'm. And that's one of the reasons why the goal setting can turn back on you Mm because you look at the things like I'm only going to be happy once I, for some people like lose that weight or once I, um, you know, become this or that. So you're Mm -hmm. always going to look at things and yourself from the perspective that you're unhappy where you're at. And to be able to shift that around, that's um, enjoying the journey and exactly those bumps and the (laughs) the different levels. That is part of it. So you're not looking at like, that goal and like the journey doesn't even matter. I just want to get there because mm-hmm. the only thing that you're gonna project that out, a little bit of quantum shifting here. Uh that's yeah. you and know, it's uncomfortable.
1: It can be really uncomfortable to do it. Exactly.
0: Too. Yes, exactly. And that's why we have all this procrastination and self-sabotage and all that, because your brain, as <laughs> I always say that, but that's very true. Your brain is not here to make you happy, it is here to keep <laughs> you safe. which means safe that doesn't necessarily mean that's you know it's it's safe in a way that it has to be that because safe means for the brain everything that is familiar even if you're struggling even if you're keeping yourself in an abusive relationship even Mm -hmm. or a job that is extremely traumatizing even for Mm -hmm. you but It's like, no, it is unsafe to do anything that is unknown. That's how the brain works. So this Mm -hmm. way it will do everything just to keep you away from changes because that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. What is uncomfortable and unknown that is no, that is not safe, your brain would say. Mm -hmm. And then create those barriers and, you know, stepping out of our comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. And the success can only happen when you're fully out there and, and playing full out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think
1: recognizing, uh, and I use this word, I, I don't want to get go down this path right now, but um, addictions and numbing. Uh, but more importantly, the word mm. I want to use is numbing out. And I think some uh, often, I know for me, when I'm getting stressed, I turn the TV on right? And I know for a lot of people, it's video games. And when it gets in the way of you achieving your best lifestyle, because you've decided to numb out on something, even though traditionally it's alcohol and cigarettes and stuff, we've got this new world where it's TikTok and Instagram, and I'm just as guilty, you know, of of numbing myself out instead of working on my purpose. And, uh, and, and you've got to understand the energy of where do you want to put your energy, right? So, but it's also, it's self-protection, right? Going to that numbing, that state of numbing yourself out because you're you you do not know where to go to next versus doing just one little thing that'll move you forward so
0: yes yeah. the one step at a time and also to have your hand hold to keep you accountable because that's yeah. one of the big re- big issues for for a lot of people with all this distraction exactly the numbing with mm-hmm. technology you know, searching for the bottom of Facebook, I don't know if you've ever done that, trying to find the very <laughs> bottom that's never, never there, but we can get so lost it's in there. It's been a while actually, but it's so true, yeah, <laughs> the bottom of it, the, the,
1: bottom of uh, yeah, the reels and stuff make it even the harder.
0: Yeah, and- exactly, so we're getting all these distractions from technology and all those to experience more and more numbing that keeps you away from living the best version of you and the purpose and such, so um, well, I think having,
1: having a coach to break your pattern. So having someone like, say you're doing these, these things and having, and knowing that you're going to meet with you, for example, as a coach, once, once, a, once a week or once a month or whatever you're doing, you get to start breaking your patterns and getting back on track more often. I, I know for me, I have a walking group that I host and I have mm-hmm. Monday working things like that, that I do because it breaks my patterns too. And I get to go help mm-hmm. somebody else. And when I help somebody else, I end up you know, honestly seeing where I have to see where I'm at, you know, when I'm touching base or leading
0: something myself. So, yes. And it's, yeah, you, you are there for those people. So you're not just holding their hands, but you also, you know, they are heard, they are loved, they are, you know, treated, you know, every like frequently, like weekly and those meetings. And also they belong to your community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially if you do like live sessions and live coachings that, you know, they can bring up whatever is going on right there. And you're able to like jump on it. That was one of my big issues. Like nowadays with a lot of trainings and coaching, like this business, business trainings and all those that it's just so big, like, so I know of hundreds or thousands of people are in it, but you're not really see- being seen or heard, or like literally that handholding is not there. And- well, it's funny. Cause
1: sorry. No, no, no. Um, So that actually, uh, exactly that is I would sign up for as something that was supposed to be 30 or 40 people. And then these coaches are putting 120, 130 people into the call. And I started questioning why I wasn't showing up to them. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, it took you forever to put your video out there and stuff. And I'm just like, I realized deeply in some writing that I was doing, oh, I don't
0: think my story matters. Exactly you know yeah. like, who wow. am I who would speak up out of hundreds of people and what does and it matter yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah that, that, was, that, that was a
1: deep that was a really deep one for me there was some tears was well I realized that I didn't think my story counted
0: mm.
1: but if there's like you said if you change one person just to tie this kind of wrap this up a little bit is if if your story helps that one person because they can identify with the challenges you've been with, and you can give them that next step. Maybe it is just that one next step that brings them closer to being in alignment. Well, yes. then that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, and giving them a step-by-step system so they know what they're doing, they know what the next step is and not pushing them you know, off the cliff too quick. So really feel into them and meet on their level and what they need. That's mm-hmm. also a big part of it. Plus for them, you know being able to belong to a community with like-minded people struggling with similar things so that's Mm -hmm. you know holding everybody each and each other up that is huge and very powerful also especially nowadays when we're so separated and like we do need that connection and that's that community part as well yeah and i think having um
1: people who are speaking like the fact that you can say quantum and i know that you're gonna know who lisa is who joe is who you know i can i can list people by first name and I'm talking about Joe Dispenza, who talks about the quantum uh, all the time. I know that I can talk yours. to you, yes. And I don't even have to. I don't have to come up with Joe's last name. I already know by the look on your face, you know who yes. I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, or like, there's just this this group. It's kind of the Mind Valley uh, group of people um, between Mind Valley and um, a couple other groups. But um, being able to just speak what you're thinking and know that someone's going to take it in, understand what your references are, that can be really powerful. So. Um, but just to, just to wrap this up, tell us, uh, where people can find you. Um, and we'll obviously put links as they say down below to your programs and things <laughs> like that, but, um, I'm in Whistler, BC. So I love the fact that I, at some point I'm going to drop, drop down to the, the da- drop down the West coast and meet you in person. I hope.
0: Yes, or, please. Can, anytime. We're not that far <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. So I'm mostly active on Facebook and I have a Facebook group. It's called biohack your abundance. So it's a free support group. I provide free trainings in there and I share tools and that's in you know, a community that we're building there. It's sort the people that to feel supported and also with those live and mini and trainings and workshops and all those. So running those, that's the, the place where I'm mostly active. I'm also on Instagram and exploring more and more of those. Uh, that's also by uh, Abundance and um yeah, so I think that's the first uh, or the the best place you know, to find me, and uh, yeah, through my name, Facebook also, uh, people can find me very easily. Do, do you have a website then? I do have a website which is called Nature Code Healing, but Nature? I don't, okay. I I don't or haven't really been using that too much. Uh, but if I people want to it just up,
1: directly just come straight through you and avoid Facebook they could just find you on your website that's
0: probably the easiest plan and yeah my website is still kind of showing the older older version of my work as well and it's I found it it's it's was <laughs> in a way just an excuse also as I shared for me is like oh no I won. Um, I won't be valued or authentic without a website kind of thing so I spend a bunch of time you know creating that website like years and years ago and I ended up realizing like oh that was just you know part of an excuse to not fully show up Uh, but because we don't really you know need that it's out there I need I know I need to update it but it's at the same time it's not even fully needed, so, but it is out there. So people can find me on that as well. And at one point I'll, I'll update it more towards like, when I'm working with the biohacking abundance part. But yeah, the Facebook support group is, is mainly where I'm active and, and helping support people. And yeah, and I also have a upcoming uh, live challenge that I'm gonna do in there as well. Oh, sweet. So um, does it start every couple months or something? It is actually going to be in March, March 26th, 27th, and the 28th. Uh, So, and I'm just about to open up the registration for that. So that's, that's coming up and yeah, people drop into the group. We'll, um, we're going to try to live stream it into the group as well. So, okay.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll get all those links up. And in the in the bio, as they say below, and how they can connect with you. And thank you so much for coming on today. It's it's exciting to have this kind of extended conversation with you. And I hope we'll like this so person much. at some point. Now that the borders are getting a little bit easier to cross and
0: come up and Yes, down. yes, yes. Anytime. And yeah, thank you so much for this and having yeah. me here. Wonderful to connect with you and your people, your community, and all that. And I'm looking forward to connect with you as well personally more awesome all right well I'm gonna um,
1: hang up here now and I'm gonna stop the recording awesome thank you so much it's funny how the world connects us to the right people at the right time thank you so much Sophie for sharing with us and to our listeners Thank you for sticking around and listening to our whole episode and being curious about how people are designing their beautiful lives and building their epic empires from being CEOs of their own families, CEOs of their business and supporting others in success. I am always hunting for new guests who are willing to get uncomfortable while they're finding their edges and working to achieve their best life. If you know of someone like this or want to hear our next episode, please join our mailing list on our website at epiclifestyles.com. As well, please take time to leave us a review and a rating because it really helps. And, you know, sharing is caring, so that is always the best way to help us as well. This is Anissa Jane, signing off until our next adventure together.
2: Absolutely cannot. Well, I, it's I've, really I've funny because
1: I, I, I used to run the ladies meeting at the hotel there, right? And I remember mm-hmm. hearing two ladies saying they'd just been to an investment seminar and it cost them $3,000. I'm like, what did you invest in? And they're like, oh, it's too scary. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so I took $3,000 and I went and invested. <laughs> I'm like,
3: yeah, that's more fun in, than, a, than some... going and
1: sitting in a dry seminar.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of where I went with that. What's the riskiest thing you've ever invested in?
2: Oh, I mean, I've invested in risky things, but I mean, in terms of being structurally risky, mm-hmm. my, my, comp- my current company, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've invested 10 years of my, well, technically 15 years of my life.
1: So not in, just money.
2: In, into an idea. Yeah. It's not just money. I mean, yeah, money. Okay. I've, I've put all my, Personal capital into it, but 15 years of my life is worth more than that. Absolutely. And I can't get it back. But that part of the investment has proven to be worthwhile. And
1: Recording in progress. So here's the backup.
2: Oh, are we starting?
1: We're we starting? Well, I actually already started here. So oh, you I wanted did? to hear the answer to that question.
3: Oh.
1: <laughs> um, so this is always a backup, right? I'm going need this. So,
2: is this a, uh, is this okay? Or is this like a good seating configuration? I don't
1: know we don't have to look at the camera, really. Right. Just no. as a backup for audio.
2: Right, right. To be honest, so
1: uh, it's really yeah, funny because I get <laughs> comfortable. I, I realized that if I didn't know at the Terminal City Club if they have jeans policy, and I got halfway here, I was like, wow, I'm glad that they have no ripped, no today.
2: rip, no rip jeans.
1: Okay, well, that's because I know be. if you go to the Vancouver Club, you get asked to leave.
2: Yeah uh you can wear jeans there now but as long as they're not ripped they've they've lightened up a bit
1: okay because so i used to go to dan uh, stuff there and people would come in with jeans and they'd be like you need to go shopping
2: yeah <laughs> it used to be yeah
1: cool so epic lifestyles which i love that you volunteered to be interviewed is about people who are willing to kind of go outside the norm mm-hmm. than what the average person would doing and and like you said you said you're not that smart you're just super curious basically
2: um, it's it's not so much about my curiosity. I don't think I'm that much more curious than the next person. But well, I'll think it's <laughs> <forever>. <laughs> okay. I'm curious, but uh, it's it's really more about my capacity for risk, and that that's what differentiates me from other people, I think, because uh, most people I know just they don't have any tolerance for risk. When making, but how do
1: you? separate risk from curiosity it's kind of like what they say is you're finding your edges right risk is finding your edges
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if you're not curious you're not looking to the edges
2: well curiosity doesn't cost you anything right if you're oh,
1: tell that to the cat <laughs>
2: uh, no, if you 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 take a risk on something that implies that there's a there's a cost uh, and uh, that you there may be loss you may experience loss it's true that's what risk is about.
1: But you're curious to see if you're going to lose it or not. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I'm no, just poking I, the bear. I'm curious about the world. Yes, definitely. And, um, um, but I think that's different from actually mm. uh, taking on risk and making a risky decision. That mm. those those two things are different okay. in my in my mind, they are. So.
1: I had one question that I don't think I've heard anyone ask in a podcast that I think could, because of when we graduated from high school, we were two years apart. Okay. I'm 89, year 91.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
1: What car (laughs) did you think you would be driving now? (laughs) (laughs) And it does cross over to the topic we're going to eventually get to.
2: God, I don't know. I mean, I thought I would be driving like a you know, like an Acura or, you know, some kind of a... Actually, I was, I was pretty close because I, I drive a Lexus. So I thought, I'm going to drive like a luxury version of a Honda or a, or a or Mazda S- or something. And because uh, I liked those cars back then. I remember when I was and,
1: 16 in California, the, was it the legend? Acura legend was like a
2: oh, car. Yeah, that was the, the sports, Acura sports car. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't, it was like a Ferrari. Uh, but no, I never wanted that. I wanted like a, a touring car, you know, like a luxury sedan, but not like a name brand, like Mercedes or BMW or anything like that. Cause like every asshole on the street has one of those. <laughs> so I wanted something like really high quality, yeah. but that was, um, um, you know, that, that didn't cost as much and wasn't as common. And, uh, it was kind of like, you know, like a sleeper, yeah. you know, not, not too noticeable.
1: You didn't want to stick out. Too I didn't badly. want to stick out. No, I
2: didn't want to it's stick out. It's interesting. You just reminded me
1: of a story of um, a guy who was a valet. I can't remember. I think I was listening. To, I don't know if it was a Tim Ferriss interview or somebody. He's, uh, he said he never wanted. He wasn't really worried about having the nice cars because he was a valet.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, we all want the nice car to look cool. And he realized yeah. that the guys in the car were assholes. <laughs> yeah. And so he never really cared what the car was because he's like, I didn't want to be an asshole. Yeah. So I, I knew I didn't need the nice car. That's
2: a it good was, point. It was, it
1: was something to that. You know, I probably got the story a little bit twisted in my no, head. No, it's a but... good
2: point. I, I, I think I've had a similar thought. Like, if I ever find myself sitting in, a, like, a Porsche 911 Turbo or something, then it probably means I've become an asshole. <laughs> and I don't, I don't like myself. Other people don't like me. I don't want that. Right? right. I, I'd rather be, you know, unassuming but secretly luxuriating in my yeah like, lug, I made it my luxurious I made vehicle it.
3: I made it <laughs> and uh,
2: you know not not uh, attracting any attention from yeah. the tax man or anything like that
1: Mine was a I wanted to have a 1971 red Mustang because I was born in that year
2: so. Right okay
1: But the reason I asked the question is mm-hmm. to kind of get us off to a little bit of the topic of that's to the future car
2: <laughs> DeLorean DeLorean What about it
1: Well cuz You know, I figured if we're ever going to have something like that, it's going to have to do with nuclear energy. Oh, (laughs) okay, I see. It's kind of. I was Um, looking at the idea of it's like that's what it's going to. It's going to take something like that in that er area of technology to make something that crazy.
2: Yeah, no, it's an interesting. uh, I mean, people have talked about nuclear cars for decades, uh, and um, I mean, my business is nuclear, so I. Not only that, my business is small commercial nuclear
3: mm-hmm. so I think that's and, why I kind of saw the two
2: yeah well I mean the the march of progress in technology has always been driven by miniaturization mm-hmm. I mean that is the right that's yeah. the big deal from computers that would fill up an entire room mainframes down to your well, look at the
1: speakers we have on our little <laughs> tiny lapels like, that well, are, precisely
2: you so know. <clears throat> you know uh, this I think the same thing applies for for nuclear uh, and so we're taking, my so the technology that my company is pursuing is taking a gigantic power plant, mm-hmm. which costs, you know, 10 to $20 billion to build, and sort of Get it under a billion shrinking dollars. it down. Like, it's, it, it's a quite a different technology, but yes, under a billion dollars, which is totally normal yeah. and quotidian for. Well, at, and at, it's the at, fact of how at, we can talk
1: about numbers these days, too, because I was listening to some of your previous stuff, and I was like, we can save billion dollars now and go
2: somebody's got that in bitcoin oh yeah you that's, know that's like nothing right like yeah. a, a billion dollar project finance is like nothing on wall street that's it's like a, no yeah it's a ham sandwich so but <laughs> uh so i you know people ask me how small can you make it can you fit it in a car i get these types of questions all the time and it's an interesting question that the answer if you want to know based on the technology we have today the answer is no So, but, I am... We did
1: used to have really big TVs. uh,
2: The reason is (laughs) because you need the shielding. Right. Right? So, when you do nuclear energy, when you split atoms, they become smaller atoms that are really, really... Messy. ...radioactive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Highly radioactive. And so, you have to, like, high gamma emitters. Mm -hmm. So, you have to have this, like, thick shielding, Mm -hmm. which is generally, you know, um, like a meter thick of, of... Concrete. Michelin
1: would have to design more than just recycled tires.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm optimistic that there will be a technology revolution with shielding mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: sometime, you know, in the future. But with the, this, you know, sun, this or, century, or it's
1: that maybe we don't do cars, but we get Elon in on uh, no. But the point SpaceX is SpaceX and <laughs> yeah, nuclear. Energy. The point
2: is, can you sh- can you shrink a nuclear engine down into uh, coffee something coffee. which is yeah small enough to go into a machine or a, a car a vehicle or a, even a handheld device mm. i mean that would be the most extraordinary energy revolution that that, that i mean no nobody's even imagining that right now mm. and and the the thing that is going to enable that kind of technology is a revolution in shielding technology okay Star sounds Trek. boring. up. no it's <laughs> The shield, so I think, this is my own personal, you know, yep. uh, um, I'm prognosticating here, but I believe that there will be, based on some science that we already sort of know already, mm-hmm. we will be able to have shield, effective shielding for, for high gamma, mm-hmm. which will be one cell thick. Wow. Like single cell thickness shielding. So kind
1: of like the air shield on the David at the, the, where's, the where's David. Is protected by a,
2: in, in for anyone who does yeah. not know what
1: I'm talking about we're talking about a sculpture <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. needs to be you know in a in a constant environment so that it's not Yep. Um, invaded by oxygen and so that I mean it's it's just an air shield mm-hmm. but yeah it's the start of the
2: yeah so they're doing you know crazy things with materials all the time there's breakthroughs all the time I think that they will I mean it's a pro- it's a problem Right, my whole life is based on the notion that problems have solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, um, we're sitting here
1: with cordless mics. Exactly. Like, who would have thought that that's? Yeah. If you uh, said of, uh, if you uh,
2: said someone a hundred years ago would ha- you'd, ha- you'd have this kind of contraption? Yeah. They would probably want to have you burned at the stake or something. <laughs> or something like Some that.
1: people may still want to burn yeah. you at the stake, but anyway. So,
2: but that's that's the magic of technology. You can't imagine what's what it's, what it's going to be a hundred years from now. And if I told you, or if somebody told me, uh, this single cell thickness shielding against high gamma is going to exist a hundred mm-hmm. years from now, I would, I would probably say, well, that's totally going to change the world. Can we do that you know, on the you, moon, you, <laughs> where you it's can not going to affect you us. Can, you can probably wear this single cell thing as a, as a suit and like launch yourself into the sun. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, if you can withstand high gamma, then you can withstand anything, probably.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't protect you from heat, necessarily. It could.
2: No. Well, high gamma is heat. I mean, it's not. it doesn't have to be, but it, it, it can be. But the, the point is, if you have that level of pr- yeah. protection from radiation, I mean, radiation is just energy. Yeah. You know, energy is radiation. So that's that's the point. So, yeah, if that technology comes into being, and I believe it will, mm-hmm. this world is gonna turn upside down. Like that, You can't even imagine the level of technological advance that would well, happen. And
1: what would that do to the SpaceX, ro- SpaceX rockets, for example, like the amount of energy that they have to put out to you know, breach the atmosphere, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just watched the documentary, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing that he'd been working on this for 18 years, um, and how far, because he's been working He's been failing fast.
3: right? That's, yeah. that's
1: his goal, is to yeah. burn rockets, burn rockets, burn rockets, mm-hmm. which you can't really do with nuclear energy as much. You've got to go a little slower.
2: No. I mean, if you, if you fail, you want to fail in a, in a computer simulation. <laughs> so, so we do that. We can do that. But yeah, um, yeah you can't in a, in a practical sense. It's not plausible. No. So but what does it mean for space? I mean, it would totally change space travel space exploration, it will change every aspect of, uh, of human civilization. Basically. Could you do
1: a reactor up there? Of course. Because then you're you can not do a
2: reactor there. anywhere. So our system, for example, it's unique in the sense that it doesn't use any water. Mm-hmm. It's so you can do. Sorry.
1: That's
2: okay. <laughs> edit that out.
1: Mm. Ducks are fun. We actually heard real <laughs> geese this morning. It was exciting. <laughs> I live up in Whistler, for anybody that's watching, which is mm-hmm. way more north where we actually had snow this morning. Okay. And we're sitting at the Pan Pacific Hotel looking at beautiful ocean water and there's probably lots of geese around here. but they, Lots, it yeah. was just like, And literally the float planes just started coming in because there's almost mm-hmm. enough ice off the lakes and stuff. So mm-hmm. sound of ducks is happy. Yeah. Happy sounds to me. Um, but it, to, because now you don't have to deal with weight. You know, you, I mean, you, there's a certain amount of radiation outside of the atmosphere that you have to deal with. That does that degrade your interior, like your exterior, at all?
2: No, not really. I, I mean, you can do nuclear anywhere as as long as you can, as long as you can build it. So yeah, our system is unique because it doesn't require water for cooling. Uh, so, which means we can build it anywhere. You know, we can build it on the moon. We can build it in the Mars. middle of the Sahara Desert build it on Mars and uh, so it's that's also kind of revolutionary the fact that you can build something <clears throat> as long as you have a stable source of fuel
1: That takes Oxford is- Holmes to a whole new level hey <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I mean the, the fuel supplies is very small volumetrically so hmm. you could- so
1: what I'd understand because mm-hmm. I've not researched this is how do you take nuclear energy and transfer the power out, say, into a grid? It's over my head. <laughs> I know same, it happens. but <laughs>
2: It's the same as any other kind of power plant. I mean, you're generating heat. That heat uh, gets converted into electricity okay. through a system of, of steam generation and spinning of turbines.
1: So, and why is it... You said in, in, we're in British Columbia, Canada. It's illegal here, you said have nuclear power is it because yes. we're state we, we have so much water we can make enough power for the next 10
2: we generations. Enough hydro for yeah forever so forever. is it to protect that's, that no particular? I don't think so and it's it's a political distinction mm. somebody decided for political reasons probably during the Cold War sometime
3: mm.
2: we just don't want nuclear but it's I mean it's um BC is a nuclear weapons free zone which mm. I agree with that's that's a good thing that's an easy one <laughs> yeah and so, but there's also a moratorium against building a nuclear power plant here. I, I and and ex- you can't even explore for uranium. There's a moratorium against that. Right,
1: and you ha- you've been exploring for. You have a company that does that, right?
2: I had companies okay. previously that, that I don't know did what that. year
1: I was listening to when I was listening to your previous recordings.
3: Yeah,
2: no, I yeah, I've created uranium exploration and mining companies in the past. Mm-hmm. That have been successful for me, thankfully, and uh, actually there there are some there's some pretty good deposits in BC, but you're not allowed, not allowed to there. access them.
1: Right. Um. And speaking of power plants, um, I'm curious about your reaction to, like, for example, the war. The you said Cold War, so I was like, this Russia, and I heard you talk about Russia and China and how they are able to, um, create nuclear power for low cost. Aid. Yes. A, they probably have low labor costs, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's part of the equation. Yeah. Um, but then also uh, the fact that they went after the Ukrainian power plant. What are your thoughts so, on that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, so Ukraine actually gets a big fraction of their energy from, from nuclear energy. And uh, I think it's around 50, 50, 40, 40 to 50% wow. of all their el- electricity is generated by 13 nuclear power plants. And those were built by the Soviets mostly in Soviet era and they were great, you know, and, but so there's, the key thing to remember is that there's never been a war in Europe since World War II. And that the, the, there, were, there were no nuclear quest. power plants back then. Yeah. they didn't exist, right? That, that only started in the fifties, so civilian nuclear energy only started in the fifties. Right? So there's never been a situation in the world where there's a, there's a war and there's nuclear power plants, which are potentially vulnerable to attack from an invading force like we've saw. And, and this so, is where world, it, world is
1: war three looks really realistic.
2: Well, I mean, you can't, the nuclear power plant can't blow up. I mean, Chernobyl blew up, but that, that was a, a extremely unique situation. It was, uh,
1: 20 words or less for those who don't know
2: <laughs> what <laughs> why did chernobyl blow up uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it blew it up notes <laughs> it blew up because they were they absolutely did everything they possibly could to try and blow it up like it was it was basically purposeful they were, thought that they would conduct a test uh and um you know it was on purpose r- remove all of the safety barriers that normally exist and also the plant was built without containment domes which was a big issue <laughs> So, has nothing to protect the the env- environment from you know anything that goes wrong inside the plant so that was bad um, <laughs> Sorry. so it was just like a, really a it was an experiment you know, it was, gone wrong but or uh, gone right it wasn't really an experiment per se i guess you could call it that but it was It was just the uh, human error taken to a level of stupidity that is just almost inconceivable. Like
1: Homer Simpson.
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. like Homer Simpson. So of course, so those kinds of plants are not built anymore. Right. They haven't been built for decades. Uh, Those kind of people could never work in a nuclear power plant today. Right, absolutely not and uh there are so many different systems in place to prevent either human error or purposeful sabotage of nuclear power plants it just Hard. it's it can't happen it would take it would take a cons- you know a, a nuclear weapon uh, well nuclear weapons are <laughs> yeah a, a, that's a totally different that's a totally separate thing they're they're they've worked differently they've they um, they're built differently that, that they just function completely differently so mm-hmm. like nuclear power plants can't explode that's i mean that's, it's yeah i mean even the, the explosion that you saw at fukushima that wasn't that wasn't a nuclear explosion it was it was a hydrogen explosion gotcha right uh, it just happened to spread a little tiny bit of nuclear radioactive material around
1: yeah so location, location location
2: location <laughs> well it's, it's really the design like the design I'll be the first one to admit it's not great, which is why my company is doing something that we think is better. Mm-hmm. But it's really, really hard to break it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 impossible to break it. Mm. So even like Japan, good example.
3: Mm.
2: What was it that finally broke it? One, uh, they built it. They built a power plant in a tsunami-prone area on the water. Location, location. They were told many, many times by the engineers that they needed to build a breaker. Uh, a break wall, which was at least 15 meters in height. They mm-hmm. refused to do that. And, uh, you know, and what happened? You get a, the third largest earthquake ever in recorded history and it caused a 15 meter <laughs> tsunami and the, their break wall was only five meters. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all that, they put all of the redundant systems in the basement. Right. So the earthquake knocked out, you know, knocked out the uh, the, the power plant and the grid and then the tsunami came in and inundated the, the redundant systems, and like the, the generators. Spread. So, well, no, but so what that meant was that the, that the plant was unable to ha- activate its, its cooling systems or it wasn't able to maintain its cooling systems. Mm-hmm. So the fuel was not able to be cooled and, uh, it heated up and then, um, mm-hmm. basically, To make us to sort of simplify it, it interfaced with the hydrogen in a way that made the hydrogen explode, Right. Uh, the hydrogen in the, in, in the, um, some of the materials that are used to make the fuel bundles. Yeah. So it's the hydrogen that exploded. So, but yeah, it's, it's really, 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 really hard to make a nuclear power plant explode. Whereas a weapon, for example, actually it's even, it's even challenging to the hardest thing when they were inventing the bomb. Uh, it was equally as difficult to figure out how to make enough plutonium Mm -hmm. to make a bomb. It was equally difficult to figure out how to make that plutonium explode. Like they literally had, you know, like the Manhattan Project was a multi-billion dollar enterprise with Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of people in three different labs Mm -hmm. in three different states. And that the... uh, they spent just as much resource trying to figure out how to make enough plutonium to make a bomb, as they did trying to figure out how to make that plutonium explode. It was so like, as a, in terms of an engineering challenge, it was so complex and so difficult. I think that,
1: that's really important for people to know.
2: Yeah, it is really hard, really hard to make plutonium explode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like they finally, you know, obviously, figured it out. And uh, but it was, it was a big challenge, and they didn't think they were going to be able to figure it out. Hmm. So, <laughs> it's... You, you
1: said something. Um, Homer Simpson could no longer run a power plant; it wouldn't be allowed. I always told my my kids get a trade. One went into banking. One mm-hmm. went into he you does know, heavy concrete. If you drive through Burnaby, those houses, those high rises, he builds the foundations for mm-hmm. big high rises. Um, there's no trade school for nuclear energy, is there? There I are mean, schools, are you, of course. You, you know, went and taught yourself. You went to MIT. You went and did the MIT course. Well, I'm
2: different because I, I'm not in the nu- I don't work in a nuclear power plant. No, I'm not I, a nuclear power plant operator. I'm not a nuclear. But engineer. But you
1: understand
3: it.
2: I'm not a physicist. I understand it because I've spent 15 years learning about it mm-hmm. on my own. But there are school. Of course, there are schools. Are there? Oh, yeah, so of course. I didn't know that. In fact, just <laughs> earlier this week, I was at. You, university of california berkeley um, school of engineering where i got invited i get invited uh, every year usually to come and speak to the engineering class about entrepreneurship about about business and um, but that school turns out nuclear engineers and there are many schools around the world that do the same thing Mm -hmm. it's uh yeah it's it's
1: an engineering degree
2: it could be nuclear engineer is the common Thing, but you could be a physicist. You could be See, a chemist. I live in you Whistler, could be...
1: where we just have engineers. We have more <laughs> engineers per square foot that oh, really? don't use their degrees for anything yeah. <laughs> other than being really good backcountry skiers. Oh,
2: well, there are many different types of engineers. There are. Well, right? what I didn't
1: realize in Germany, when you graduate, you enge- many Germans graduate with what is called an engineering degree, which is very different than what we would call an engineering degree in. Um, it is. A- I've worked with a couple of Germans who have their engineering degree and I'm like, oh, what in? And he's like, no, 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 it's not quite like that. I'm like, oh, okay. Hmm." Whereas we have, it's, you're generally going off into a specific, um, like your structural, your environmental, your civil, civil, yeah. And I've done a lot of construction. So I've worked with all of those people, Mm -hmm. but the, I think it's almost like a pre-degree. So when we say there's that many people with degrees uh, and engineering degrees in Whistler, Go. You have to ask the next question what kind of degrees? So.
2: Yeah, what kind of engineering? Yeah, because that, yeah, in my experience, like I deal with engineers all the time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they're all they have some specialization. Yeah. Their, so, yeah.
1: in going to Berkeley,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, what do you see in talking on business? Do you see those engineers coming out and creating entrepreneurial explorations on their own? or is it you're helping them to seek to understand how the business is run?
2: Like- well, that depends. I mean, uh, this industry is changing. It's in, a, uh, it's in a state of transformation right now. So for the first 65 years, nu- the nuclear energy industry was generally owned and operated by either by government or by large multinational conglomerated corporations. Extremely regulated. Which are basically so big that they're almost like a government. Right. And everything was funded by a government or a quasi-government body. And that's all changing now. Just so, like NASA
1: used to be the only... and Exactly. Yes. And now we have...
2: It's perfect analog. And, billionaires
1: uh, who are like, I'm going to start a power.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, or develop a new technology because there hasn't been a new technology yeah. in 65 years. So uh, for the first time, it's actually a reasonable thing to for a, a, a STEM student to think to themselves, maybe I'll become an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in this industry. Maybe I'll develop a new technology or make a new business, an innovative business. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a in the private
1: sector and find funding. Yeah, yeah, in the
2: private sector, exactly, and and have it funded by private equity or private private Mm -hmm. sector capital, and uh, that's completely new. That's a totally new experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm kind of a unique. I'm a bit of a unique actor in my industry because Mm -hmm. most people are either, you know, they work for the big company,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and they went to school and they just sort of went through all the steps to get to where they are. or they're just like completely, you know, like administrative people like lawyers and accountants mm-hmm. and those types of people. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm sort of like, I'm a little bit in the middle because I, um, although like my training and experiences in finance, uh, I know enough about the science mm-hmm. to be able to sort of absorb what I need from, from both worlds. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have an entrepreneurial oh. spirit and an, a capacity for risk. Right. I'm like kind of in a somewhat in my own lane. In, the, well, in, 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 in the listening
1: middle. to a little bit of your history, um, and one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you is it sounds like you, you have been um, surrounded by people who saw your abilities from an early age. It Saw maybe more in you than you saw in yourself. Just a guess. Like A, you said your dad was a stock trader, so he was obviously yeah. inherently... Inherently, you were around someone taking risks daily, right?
2: Yes, I think that's probably true. Although I'm not sure how much I knew about that <laughs> when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, interested in his world, and I think that sort of naturally led me. I had a curiosity about his world, so that led me into it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I had people that, that had faith in me. Mm-hmm. Early on in my career, yeah. which, but I mean, isn't that everybody? Every, no. Don't don't people no. have champions in life? And some and, do, or, some or, don't. Early on, some well, do, some I did, I, and I I feel blessed for that.
1: Like the and fact, that like, you you were nineteen doing stock trading, and you sounded, it sounded like really passionate about it, and people obviously saw that passion mm. and fed you more. Yeah. Whereas some people could have that passion and nobody notices,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it fades and dies. <laughs>
2: maybe yeah like it ha- i think it happened i did i got lucky and i got i mean i had a lot of lucky happenstances in my life mm-hmm. to sort of keep me keep me going in a certain trajectory and a lot of champions
1: mm-hmm. well and some so, say luck is just being ready when it comes along, right like you you have yeah, some skills I guess
2: people say that but um i really feel like I didn't have any. I still feel like I don't have any particular skills. I just, which is why you're always learning. I have some luck. I've had some lucky circumstances, and I've I've learned a lot about risk, and I have a very special relationship with risk Mm -hmm. that I think most people just don't have, Mm -hmm. and that that's that's what gives me an edge. If, if I if ha- I indeed have an edge. <laughs> that's what allows me to keep doing what I do on a daily yeah. basis, you know, without being out on the street, I guess.
1: Maybe. So where does risk and wine come
2: together? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. that's how
1: I connected with you through a friend. We went drinking one night.
2: Oh. <laughs> and then
1: randomly yeah. we ended up at another another friend's birthday party.
2: Yeah. Um
1: so we met through drinking.
2: <laughs> we did. We did.
1: Uh, wine is uh and it's obviously a passion. All about
2: risk. Yeah, wine is a passion. And I went to wine school. But yeah, wine, wine making is all about risk. I mean... If are... you
1: drink it, you don't make it, do you?
2: I don't make it, no. I, so, I, I don't... You're not part okay, of the I have, I have capacity for risk, but not that. <laughs> not He's bad like, bad that's level the one of... place
1: I play safe. I know it's going to be a good not bottle. Not that
2: level of risk. Yeah, no, wine is uh, making wine is really, really dangerous business. And uh, it's, that is probably one of the easiest ways to lose a fortune that, mm-hmm. that there is.
1: You'd rather uh, invest in that. Uh... Developing
2: nuclear technology is pretty close. <laughs> pretty but... close to wine. <laughs> yeah, But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the great thing about wine. I mean, there, there are things in common between the world of wine and the world of nuclear energy or the world of nuclear science is that uh, that, that that those things that are the same are the are the same things that attracted me to both of them and some other things that I've studied and that is that there's like a well first of all there's like a body of knowledge which is so vast that you can never learn it all mm-hmm. that's so that's I like I'm attracted to that mm-hmm. because um it means that I can I can keep striving and learning and and chasing information but I'll never I'll never have the full scope of it. Mm. I'll never understand it all.
1: I think that, so, that's the one thing I think, uh, if I have to say that everyone, I really enjoy the inter- interviewing is that's one of the most common things is that really? thirst for knowledge.
2: Yeah. yeah. To keep
1: learning more because it's so exciting.
2: Yeah. And you can never run out. Like you, you'll never, slake your thirst. Mm. It'll never go away. And you'll constantly be, starving and, and begging for more. I mean because how many
1: people could go and learn a whole new trade by taking MIT like all those free courses but they never will get to, they'll start it but they'll never finish it right because there, there isn't that thirst for the
2: knowledge. I, I suppose yeah I mean that's why one of the reasons why I, I feel like I, I need to live a very long life so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do all of these like anti-aging Yes I've things. been getting
1: very, very heavily into biohacking. I actually went and got yeah. certified as a personal trainer because I wanted to just always be learning and it put me on a trajectory to to learn all of
3: that. Mm -hmm.
1: Hanging out with Tony Robbins just wrote a new book Mm -hmm. on all the biohacking Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, Where does um, biomedical and nuclear come together?
2: Uh, Well, I'm not sure there is an intersection. But if there were, it, it would be that, you know, a lot of a lot of things that you need to to achieve that level of longevity let's say it was probably related to energy in some way and so the the more abundant energy you have mm-hmm. the the higher standard of living you're going to have which means that you may be able to access anti-aging uh treatments and mm-hmm. and things like that So, but no, but it's a really
1: key point that we study how people who lived long, how they lived, what they studied, how they meditated, but we didn't, we don't look at what energy did they bring to it. Like what, Mm -hmm. it's almost like what mindset did they bring to it? Because it's really Mm -hmm. like, for example, last two years, we get up at seven o'clock, Friday mornings, we go for a run, Mm -hmm. and other people are like, oh, still in bed. <laughs> yeah tuesday nights we we have run club mm-hmm. friday morning we have it was walking with you on the mornings or if there's two of us we'll go jump in a cold lake
2: mm-hmm. but it's <laughs> like
1: doing that extra little thing that adds you do those things it adds energy into other parts of your life
2: mm-hmm. I, th- I mean i think there will be i think the intersection between human energy and like um created energy generated energy will become more obvious as time goes on and Technology a good way in- to put it, improves. Two different types of energy, uh, so. so, but there is there is zero question that uh, having a high energy consumption lifestyle yeah. will lead to a, a higher standard of living. That that's that's and, proven and by hopefully
1: longevity too. We're well, still playing yeah, around I mean, with that. We're still learning.
2: Yeah, I mean, a higher standard of living in, implies that one could have access to yeah certain certain types of treatments or yeah. you know whatever anti-aging
1: well and and by having and, a longer get... life like for all the things it took me to learn till 50 i've bought and sold and lost houses that now i can go and do the same amount of what took me 20 years to learn the first time mm-hmm. just like the energy sector and you know i can now do in probably two years i can still i learned to did i only learned the stock market last year mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but i was so overwhelmed with other things raising kids and Different part of life, but now I can do that.
0: But mm-hmm. I wouldn't have.
1: It would I wouldn't have learned it in twenty years over here. Yes. But now that I've, there's certain um, points where you you've amassed a certain amount of skill that mm-hmm. then. Um, how am I trying to say this? You, you learn faster. Yeah. Because you've you know I went to university at twenty nine. I couldn't have done university at twenty one. I was so. I did. I started a class. I was so stupidly shy. Oh, yeah. I couldn't get through the class. Really. Yeah, like painful, like when I'm, we're talking like huge anxiety walking into a classroom i had what i would have to leave i would feel sick really physically sick wow that's, that's and then here i just drove down to like i mean how many times have we met and here i'm totally comfortable doing this with perfect strangers now not that you're a perfect stranger but um <laughs> you know but like that's that plays into how we learn as we get to like we're at that half 50, I'm going to be 51 this year, mm-hmm. um, and you know the, the next 50 years could be really exciting because you've already put in all this time and energy and learning. And
2: mm-hmm. yeah, as long as you can, I think keep your your vessel in reasonably good order. Seems to be the trick. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, but uh, there's there is one interaction that I can think of between human energy and and generated energy that is starting to become more obvious and. In society, and that is uh, lab grown protein, manufactured protein. Right. So uh, it takes a lot of energy to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And there there are companies out there that are making meat substitutes that you can't tell the difference between the substitute and the real thing. Now, is
1: it generated from an original meat molecule?
2: Or is it uh, Some something are totally yes. Unique? So the my favorite one is yes. It's uh like they take it a, was a cow. They take a yeah. They take <laughs> a cell from a cow or whatever, and then make that into a filet mignon. And yep. then and the uh you know the 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 Michelin star chef Guess they've that. done this. They've done experiments. The the Michelin chef will you know prepare the.
1: So it's still the not vegan. is <laughs> my point.
2: Definitely not vegan. It's
1: definitely not vegan. But but
2: I mean if this if it's not an if it's a when when they finally get it to the point where it's uh it can be scaled and and um cost competitive with with regular meat then it'll be a huge explosion mm-hmm. because uh and and the impact to that the uh the global environment will be almost inconceivable yeah and but the butt part is that you need a lot of energy to do it, Right. and that energy has Why? to be. Well, think think about what you're making. I don't right? know.
1: I don't need. I just it's <laughs> like pretty you're, inconceivable. You're, I'm just, all I see is a little uh,
2: petri dish. <laughs> well, if you, I mean, think about the energy. Well, I guess that, oh, I guess that, I, that I look into, at it like
1: a greenhouse. It's going to take the same energy as a green. Like you've got to,
2: well, you got to contain and think in space. about the energy that it takes to raise, you know, whatever the human pop or the, whatever the, the population of cows is on the planet, oh, yeah, I think I it's mean... like 10 billion at any given moment, or, and I think the chicken population is like 100 billion, yeah. right? Think of all the energy the that's Fraser required Valley, so, yeah. to <laughs> feed all of those, you know, yeah. to, to the energy that's required to grow the feed, mm-hmm. and all the water, and all mm-hmm. the land, and to, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, pluck the feathers or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's to get well, now that You meat. also have
1: to go through the, the um, kind of like taking people from the oil field and getting them mm-hmm. into a new power, like the retraining of these people too. I mean, yeah. that yeah. takes
2: so, a lot of so, energy. Yeah, so of course making, um, making meat substitute is a completely different way of doing it. There's mm-hmm. no animals involved. And so there's no, there's no feed. Right. You're not feeding anybody, you're not feeding animals, you're not um, providing them with water and, and like all the land that was used you don't have previously to, take care to of the waste. grow you the you, feed. Mind you, then
1: we, lo- we lose you another don't... industry without the... the yeah, but um... you can
2: make fertilizer. With, okay, with, with, if you have energy and chemicals, you can make fertilizer. That's true. And So basically, like my mindset is, if you have if you have enough ultra low cost energy, which you can get from, from nuclear,
3: yeah,
2: and you can build it anywhere as much as you need, then you can totally replace like ninety percent of global animal husbandry, and all of the the land footprint and the water footprint, CO two footprint. We, can we go back to and, boutique and,
1: farming, which is more fun. You,
2: maybe you could have boutique farming. Uh, you can. Um, you're also taking away all that animal suffering, which I think is generally a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so, but you can make anything as well. Else, you can make fertilizer to mm-hmm. grow crops. Mm-hmm. You can recycle metals which are previously too expensive because they require too much energy to do right. the recycling and on and on and on you can do wastewater treatment i mean energy is the solution for all the problems that we think we have in in yeah. human civilization today yeah and you know that the fact that nuclear energy is seen as a uh, a kind of a demon you know an untamed dragon or some kind Uh, Which is totally wrong. It's it's all, you know, just a it's a it's a misperception. It's really unfortunate because we're we're preventing a, a great enabling technology from sweeping the entire globe and making our lives so 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 much better. I mean, we'll have nutritious food. We'll have clean water. We'll have clean air. We'll, you know, we'll have a, a sustainable. I, you know, I hadn't really
1: thought about the nutrition part of the, the meat. Is it still going to be the same?
2: Of I course, guess. it'll be this. It'll be better. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's not going to have controlled. hormones because you're controlled. not going to manufacture meat with hormones and crap and you in don't it, have
1: right? F- it's it's food, like, I lived in England during Mad Cow, which was because of the feed. Yeah, feeding. You're not going to have
2: you're you know, not going to have weird diseases in the, in the in the food and Mad Cow disease. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's just so infinitely better when you make something chemically from scratch. Of course, it's going to be better than like trying to make it from nature well, you're, because you're
1: replicating instead of. Nature you
2: know, has a lot of garbage in it, and Darwin had you know, a, had
1: some concepts that worked. <laughs> you know, things things evolve, right? Whereas you you would not have an evolution necessi- not the kind of evolution that Darwin talks about. You'd have you'd you'd be improving empirically, proving each. You know, it's like oh, we're going to take an iteration of this and make it better. We're going to have a better steak. This is mm-hmm. versus. Oh, look, that cow came out with three legs. You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it does. It does make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, it's just it's, that's why I'm such a big believer in in nuclear energy, despite sort of being a a, a global pariah. <laughs> I think that you know one day, uh, if logic prevails, mm-hmm. and And good sense and data prevail, then nuclear energy will will sit in its proper place in in the pantheon of technologies that have massively advanced human civilization.
1: And one day we really will have warp drive,
2: like hair dryers and (laughs) iPhones.
1: That would be cool. That'd be cool. So you're living the life that you wanted. Like you're creating the life that you want. Because that's what you want. Like you're talking about all these different products, mm-hmm. but most people don't. Most people just want to go to Walmart and buy it, whereas mm-hmm. you're going to invent it, which really does set you apart.
2: But I mean, I have a. I guess you could say I have a, a vision, mm-hmm. a vision of a better world, which I would like to to try to create.
3: Not just uh, in uh, my, my the meta space, but actually tiny, in real life.
2: <laughs> yeah, my little teeny tiny part of that, mm-hmm. and um, that's interesting to me. That's that that motivates me. Mm-hmm. And uh, partially because I myself should be a beneficiary of that. In terms of my life now, I mean, my life is is pretty uh, is pretty blessed. I mean, you know, I don't want for anything. I, mm-hmm. you know, I have everything I need. I travel. I see the world.
1: And one is day it, you it, will have a farm of wiener dogs.
2: <laughs> one day, I'll, when I'll you have, retire, <laughs> I'll have a sausage dog. And uh, but you know, it's. Uh, It's not ideal. It's not like absolutely perfect, but maybe that's kind of a good thing, you know, because then I'm I'm motivated to just sort of keep pursuing something.
1: Well, it sounds like if you're not doing something risky, you're kind of bored.
2: Yeah, that's I think that's probably if I look at the different
1: iterations of I was listening to, you know, you started out with stockbroker and then. You know, mm-hmm. Uranium mining. Not everyone's been, in, you know, done that kind oh, of thing.
2: Nobody was doing that. When, when I started that company, nobody was doing that. There were, just to give you some statistics, there were, when I started that company in 2004, there were 16 companies, uh, listed uranium companies in the world. Not just Canada, but in the world. And within 30 months, like the price of uranium has skyrocketed. I what didn't, is it now? I didn't plan I Remember it.
1: you saying when you started it was like $10.
2: Uh, it was like
1: a pound. Is it a yeah pound? around
2: ten dollars a pound? Yeah, and and then it went up to one hundred and thirty seven dollars a pound within.
1: come back within down again. Thirty right? months,
2: and then it, after Fukushima collapsed, and now it's coming back, so it's in the fifties again. Mm. But um, that's still too low, to justify the cost of the construction mining. of a new mine.
3: Right.
2: Um, but <clears throat> it's um, it'll probably come back,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, so but within thirty months of me starting that company, there were. Over 600 publicly traded companies doing uranium exploration or uranium mining. Wow. So, I would just you know, like we're... the couple
1: gold mines that I invested in to get their shit together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I didn't plan that. I didn't think to myself, oh, uranium's going to you know, go up uh, you tenfold it, or whatever. It just, that, that was a pure, pure accident and pure luck. And so, but how did
1: when, when looking at mining uranium, did you see the type would like, what would, like, why uranium? Did you already see that there would be, new, like, the advantage of the nuclear power, or were you just in it for the investment?
2: Uh, it? Well, it was my first company that I took public. Um, uranium, the truth is, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I was working with other people. And they went, and you should do this. They, they thought we should, we were going to do a different kind of company, and we thought, so somebody came up with the idea, let's do uranium. What about uranium? What do you think about that? And I said, and it, it kind of, as soon as he said that, it really just made so much sense. It was sort of like, why didn't I think of this before? It was kind of an instantaneous, like, yes, this is exactly what we need to be doing. felt right. It just felt right, yeah. So, but it, it did end up being the right thing to do, very much so because, you know, everybody got really rich and uh, it was you know it was great
1: well because I mean money gives you the launching pad to the leverage to go to do the next thing right
2: yes yeah so my success from that allowed me to do other things I made another company that was pretty successful and then and then I've been doing this nuclear technology thing for the last 15 years which I I wouldn't have been able to do had I not had that initial Mm -hmm. success so that was pretty lucky I guess you could say you could say that was pretty lucky I mean I I could have done like I could have built condos in Cabo and probably been just as lucky I I would have been a billionaire by now you might have been just as lucky but you know would I have been happier I don't know uh you know not a lot of risk I don't know (laughs) not a lot well this risk but yeah not like this kind of risk not like this and I don't know risk and judgment what kind of (laughs) what kind of satisfaction would I get by like building another condo
1: well, it kind of goes know? back to the fisherman story, right? Uh, that it, that you, most people have heard the story of the fisherman and the guy from New York Stock Exchange comes and goes, oh, you should buy him two boats. you know. And you, <laughs> and the guy's yeah. like, why? Because well, then you could sit and have a margarita with your wife on the mm-hmm. beach afterwards. He's like, but I do that every day. He's like, but then you could buy a ship and then you could mm-hmm. process fish and then you could mm-hmm. get on the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> he's like, well, then what would I do? He's like, well, Then you could sit on the beach with your wife and have a margarita. At the end of the day, he's like, I already do that <laughs> you yeah. know, like, goal already achieved without all the static in between mm mm-hmm. right?
2: yeah I mean it's a it's a pretty interesting question like what what is human satisfaction really about and what do you really need to achieve it and what what is the definition of success everybody's definition is different and uh, I mean over the years when I first started out I thought okay success means being rich and uh, you know having all the trappings of wealth but that nice car we
1: were talking about earlier
2: yeah well i didn't i wasn't really yeah you could say that let's just say that Mm -hmm. but i mean over the years it just you sort of start to lose sight of that and uh, you start to focus on other things other things become so much more important and uh without even realizing it or noticing what's happened all of a sudden, you are rich. It just sort of happens in mm-hmm. the background while you're busy working on Other something stuff. else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 reasonably happy that I chose the direction that I did in my career. <clears throat> I I think I'm happier now than I would have been had I done something less risky and mm-hmm. and and you know. So, if
1: you could only have one more bottle of wine. <laughs>
2: One and you had bottle? to
1: pick one person to have it with
2: <laughs>
1: Man. other than your wife because that's just a given
2: mm-hmm.
1: we'll just we'll just take that one other picture because that's obviously can it, can
2: it be an alive al- a, a or dead kind of person or does Hell it yeah. have to be someone like that... i said
1: but we'll take out the obvious of because i've <laughs> i've been watching um what did i stay up till two o'clock in the morning watching that uh english well it's not english uh it's like a uh, it's on netflix god i want to say babberton yeah you know, what's it called
2: uh, yeah, I think it's a I know what Yeah, I know which one you mean. Society
1: thing, and they've got an amazing mm. wardrobe. All I know is I want that wardrobe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will have a dressmaker make me dresses like that one day. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah, but uh,
2: yeah, I, I I know which bottle I would want. Okay. And uh, so, but I I'd probably want to share it with.
1: It doesn't have to be but... one person. It can be a table. I, uh... I believe in soul suppers. You know, fill the table <laughs> with the most amazing people.
2: Well. I mean, my my big heroes are like popular scientists, like cool. Professor Brian Cox. Big hero of mine. He's like such a he's a brilliant scientist, but that's not what makes him so great. That the, the fact that he's both a brilliant scientist and a, a extremely effective communicator, science communicator, right? So he can he makes science feel so cool. <laughs> you know, he just makes feel science. He makes science feel so awesome that you just... Better than Bill
1: Nye the science guy? Sorry, that's who I grew up with. Yeah,
2: Bill Nye is on the shit list. But (laughs) he's anti-nuclear, which means he's anti-science. Oh, okay. He actually doesn't have a science degree. Well, he's an actor. Yeah, he worked for Boeing as an aeronautical engineer or something. But back to Cox. Yeah. So (laughs) Professor Brian Cox, as it turns out, he's on world tour. And I've got tickets to see him here in Vancouver in um, June. So I'm excited about that. And, and will uh, you be
1: going for dinner with him?
2: <laughs> I wish. Have I'm, you met I, him? I've never met him, no. I, I, okay. I'm actually, I'd love to get him on the advisory board of one of my companies, but I haven't been able to reach him. I haven't been able to get connected with him. But but I'm going to sit in the audience at the QE Theater or wherever it is and listen to him speak for a couple of hours. So, yeah, I, I'd love to have a, a glass and of wine what's the with bottle him, of or a, wine? Or a pint with him. Uh, the bottle of wine, this is... like. Really wine geekery, but yeah, it's, we want wine geekery because uh, that's why you're here. <laughs> the, the, the bottle of wine that I would choose would be a a two thousand three Cinequanon. Um, it's like uh, made in Southern California, in um, sort of south of Paso Robles, California.
1: Okay, say the but name again. How do you spell it?
2: Cinequanon.
1: How do you spell that? Uh,
2: so it's S I N E. Qua is Q U A and non N O N Mm sine And what what kind of wine is it that phrase it's a latin phrase it means like um uh you can't do without ah and uh anyway it's a it's a grenache based one so it's a rhone variety based wine made by a sort of accidental genius named manfred crankle and uh he's like a Michelangelo with wine.
3: Ooh. And this is sounding so, exciting. Yeah.
2: These wines are like they're beyond anything I've ever experienced. And they're not that expensive. Like you can get them for sort of maybe between 3 and 6 or 700 for a for, for a bottle. Mm-hmm. So not like, you know, thousands. Yeah. And
1: dinner and party then, you can still have a dinner party.
2: I've had dinner parties with Cinqueon. Yeah, and that's just like the whole table stops everything stops when you first taste sine and it sounds uh, amazing there, is it hard to
1: get a hold of or no not
2: especially i think uh i'm not sure exactly where you could get it in town but i'm sure you could i probably yeah actually at the Kits wine store i think they probably have some
1: when you travel uh, Kitts, down Kitts you're down wine in Center. california quite often or yeah yeah
2: yeah i can get it there uh, anytime so but yeah those wines are like they'll make you see God.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't think if we need to go into that, that's kind of like drop the mic. We're yeah, done here. It's
2: over. Yeah. yeah. That's all you need to know. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I will uh, write up a little bio on you and add, add, add that to the uh, our little podcast here.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, what is the most, I'm just going to ask you the last question. Uh-huh. No, I'm asking you two questions. actually, <laughs> okay. Cause this was on my mind here. Uh, it's a high, another high school question just to bring it right all around. Mm-hmm. Um, What were the last electives you took in high school?
2: Oh, that's easy. I took uh, um, I took French and Spanish because a I already spoke like Spanish was my first language. So you wanted an easy pass. (laughs) Super easy A. I slept through that class, and then French, which I had taken, you know, since the age of five. Oh, see, I took uh, French and and I got
1: kicked out and put in typing, which was my (laughs) super. My typing is my superpower. So
2: it was yeah no it was so all through high school. French, Spanish, and and English, you didn't and show so up. I had so I had three eighths of my entire high school academic career that was like a a gimme. It was like instant automatic A's. <laughs> I barely had to show up, so so Sweet. that should give you some sense of like you know but it my, gave my you, idea if, of.
1: But it gave <laughs> you like, but it gave you energy to do other things. You said you had yeah. I mean, eyes? the,
2: the <laughs> class that I liked the most was probably. Was probably like English, you know. I had a couple of t- teachers that taught literature the mm-hmm. proper way that really got me interested in literature and put me on a pathway. I did. I for... I got
1: A's and B's all the way through high school, and apparently I never learned grammar. <laughs> but then I went into art history and fell in love.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. See, love. I'd love to learn about that. Oh, like That's give, me, need, give I, me,
1: give me, I, the Medici. I, I I need <laughs> to live
2: to the age a thousand because I need to, you know. I yeah. I lived in Florence for oh, a few months. Out. Yeah, so. I, you know, I have this, a
1: Florence story, but it's not this, public knowledge, so I won't oh, say okay. what happened in Florence when I was there. <laughs> Just to yeah. say there was a market. Very cute, man. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. So what, what was the, the other Last question. question
1: uh, I like this one. If, if you have to give a gift, wine or book, what would it be? Like, Books, I, I have a sure. book that I give to people all the mm-hmm. time when I know they're having a hard time. It's uh-huh. like that, I inherited a copy of um, Gibran, the prophet. And yep. someone's having a hard time and you don't have the words, he's got the words
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah definitely a book no question and what i mean wine book? is gone like you know in yeah. a few minutes what's the
1: most common book that you give as a gift I don't
2: know, it depends on the on the person i guess um one thing i i quite enjoy gifting I, that i've gifted more than once is the complete short fiction of mark twain mm. it's like hundreds of little you know anything from like a page to Finesse. 30 pages mm-hmm. and like actual short stories that you know, like structured stories. Yeah. And, or just like a, you know, a rant. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, so it's like, you know, a few hundred pages, but every single word is like either fascinating or entertaining or just all around awesome.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, Mark Twain's my favorite American author. Easily. <laughs> like, easily. Awesome. My second favorite American author is like way down.